As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. This is Spoke, the all-new and exclusive podcast series with me, Chidera, a.k.a. The Slumflower. And me, Sully Breaks, poet, writer, spoken word, artist, etc., etc. Where we discuss issues at the heart of youth culture and how music and literature are shaping the conversation. We have a very special episode for you all today. So a few weeks ago, we had our first ever live event at Peckham's very own Copeland Park. We had workshops, we had music, we had poetry, but we also had a real chat with the fantastic Emma Dabbery and Rally Ritchie, where we spoke about the importance of representation in the media today. Here's how it went down. Down, 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 down. <laughs> hello, 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 hello. Bro, this room is full, bruv. Capacity in that. Thanks so much for coming to our first ever live This Is Spoke event. Live this in is the so building. so exciting. Now, you're in for so much wonderful energy in this room. It's going to be a real treat. We're going to have a really deep, insightful, interesting and challenging conversation all about representation. And we're going to be joined by two very incredibly talented, spectacular, irreplaceable people. You're really lucky. In fact, both of us were lucky too, you know. All right, cool, 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 cool. So welcome into the stage. We've got Emma Dabbery. She's a legend. Woo, woo, woo. Come through, Emma. Yes. She's doing the, she's doing the, the elegant walk. Woo, Can we have a round Ritchie. of applause for Relay Richie coming to the stage right now? Man like Rally Richie. Hello. Relay Richie, big boy in the building. Guys, he was in Game of Thrones. <laughs> no spoilers, no spoilers, no spoilers. Winter's coming tomorrow, not today. We don't want to hear no spoilers, yeah? <laughs> All right, cool. So should we get into this conversation then? Let's make this you happen. Ready, what yeah? are we talking about first though? Representation. So this is going to be a really, really important topic because it's going to require us to really think about ourselves and the role that we all individually play in society. Every single person can relate to this conversation. Regardless of your skin tone, your background, you are involved and you have a very valid input just by being here because we're going to discuss everything from race to what it means to truly show up as a creative and how the social landscape really affects the way certain people can access opportunities. So it's gonna be a really exciting, but also fragile and delicate conversation. And if you wanna shout something, please do shout because your contribution is just as valid as ours as well. So do you know what? Should we start by really discussing what representation means to each of us? I think representation 
It's about seeing somebody or seeing things that allow you to feel empowered and feel like you can achieve something of a similar status by someone else already having shown you the way or created a path for you. You know, I think it's so important that nowadays, especially when we have people like Stormzy headlining Grastonbury, you know. You know pick up Stormzy though. Pick up Stormzy. We have the, the, the Black Panther, you know, Wakanda forever, you know what I'm saying? I, I feel like, <laughs> you know, I, I, I feel like now across the board, there's a diverse range of people being represented in media, but it's only the start. And I feel like the more and more we have conversations about this, the more irrespective of your background, irrespective of your demographic, irrespective of, of who you are, there's an opportunity for you. So I think that's what it's really about. That's a big word. Thank you for that, Sully. To me, representation, I think it's about recognizing that your existence is valued and that is shown from you being seen in positions of power and praise because you know the way social and beauty standards work is that a particular set of features are upheld as what is seen as the best so those are all man-made concepts they're all ideas that a group of people have agreed on and that's how we've all managed to think in this way so representation is about challenging that and really making sure that as many people from as many backgrounds and places of existence can be seen. And I guess that should reflect the world that we live in. But of course, representation is rarely ever accurate and is rarely ever fair. So through this conversation, it'll be a really exciting way to get into that and challenge that. And hopefully you will leave not just feeling challenged, but you will learn something because this isn't to drag you. But if you do feel attacked, that's on you, innit? <laughs> but this isn't to drag you. This isn't to drag you, but it's more to inspire you to think about the role you play in society and the immediate changes you can make starting with yourself. Because it is really hard to come up with you know, ways we can make representation better. Is it that we hire more black people? Is it that we you know, put more people in positions of decision making? Or is it about us as society changing the way that we view our own individual selves? Because as much as it's about having conversations about what other people can do, what can you do about yourself and your own mindset? So that's really the aim of this conversation here. But Emma, and with no I want to hear further ado, let's introduce our guests. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, I want to hear from you, Emma. Do you want to like talk about yourself? Basically, the rules are, by the way, yep. both of you have to gas yourselves up. Because we're going to gas you, but you need to gas yourself up. No humility rally. here. Don't run, don't run. Like I see you trying no to run, humility. Rally. Why no. are you running? <laughs> <laughs> Emma, would you like Take to introduce away, yourself Emma. to our audience? As I was saying to Chidera backstage, like I come from Ireland, as you can probably hear from my accent, and it's like a very self-deprecating culture. So the idea of like kind of sitting here and extolling my uh, achievements or successes is quite alien to me. Um, so slightly uncomfortable. Um, but what I will say is, um, yeah, so I'm a, an author. I just wrote a book called Don't Touch My Hair. Cheese! Which is a phrase I'm sure a lot of you can relate to and will have intimate knowledge of. Um, I am a broadcaster. I present different series on BBC mainly, um, a lot of black history, different kind of like stuff to do with sociology and race. And I teach African studies at the School of Oriental and African Studies. <laughs> we love a multifaceted queen, don't we? Real talk. And in our next corner. Ding, 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 ding. I am uh, Riley Ritchie. Um. <laughs> make some noise. The name holds oh. weight. Make some noise. Make some noise. The name holds weight. The name holds weight. <laughs> I didn't even say anything. I did, just said my. That's it's not even my, my actual We're name. We're just celebrating my, your <laughs> presence. <laughs> Thank Wait, you. Wait, what's your actual name? 
My actual name's Jacob. Jacob really? Anderson. Man like Jacob? Yeah. <laughs> you do look like a Jacob. I like that name. Um, I thought that was like, you, you wouldn't let anyone know that. I thought that's like your like secret, secret identity. Yeah. I, I'm, like, I'm not massively fussy about what people call me. I'm like, Fair it's like Rally Rich is like my band name. It's like how I release music. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm a singer-songwriter and uh, I'm an actor and I direct as well and write stuff. Do you know what? <laughs> He's underselling it, don't mind him. Do you know how I discovered him, yeah? Um, this is, do you guys remember SoundCloud back before they had the ads and stuff, when it was actually sick, no shade? Oh, yeah, back in the day, I remember that. Yeah. So there's a song that Riley Richie made and the internet remixed it, and that was how I discovered him. So you're out here saying you just make music, but you're actually making humble. music music. Yeah, like, yeah. You're actually sick. Like. It's not like at you at home on your Fruity Loops. He's actually doing this thing, innit? Don't let the humility... The shade, you know what I mean? No. I'm just saying, we all start somewhere, but let's know the levels, innit? You know what I'm saying? But, but no, like, no shame for anyone that's sitting on Fruity Loops at home. He uses Fruity Loops, so Fruity Loops is sick, innit? Yeah, I, 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 I got mine illegally, and then, it, you know when the, the trial runs out? Why Oh, no, the trial runs out after 30 days. So that was the end of my music career. I had 30 days and I was like, you know what? This is not for me, man. <laughs> wow. So I want to start with you, Rally. When was the last time you felt truly represented? <laughs> uh, the last time I felt, like, I feel like representation is about feeling understood. Yes, like somebody understands your experience in some way. Um, and I just watched this show called Informer on the BBC. And I just, it was just amazing to see complex people of color who were like the heroes in their own stories. They weren't like, they're not playing second fiddle to, to like kind of white heroes or anything. And, and I don't know, it's, it's, it's really funny because I feel like feeling represented, you, you get bits of it. You kind of get snatches of it every mm -hmm. now and then, but it's, it's quite hard to find like we, we get like a few a year, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> do you yeah. know what I mean? And there, there, there have been times, but there's been things as well. Like I saw something the other day that was like predominantly people of color in the cast. It was predominantly black cast, but I saw it in a really white space. And there were things in it that I felt like they understood me. I felt mm -hmm. understood by it, but because of the context of where we were, I felt actually the opposite. I felt really uncomfortable, yeah. which is not the fault of the people that have made yeah. this thing, but you know, like there's, there's in part of the story is, is about domestic abuse in, yeah. in a black relationship. And I, like the thought crossed my mind at a, at a certain point where I was like, is that what these people think of me? Like, yeah. Is, yeah. is that, there aren't enough stories for, mm -hmm. for this to like, Feel. And it's about who's telling those stories as well. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, and I think like one of the writers, I think the, the person that wrote the, the book, it was a musical, the person that wrote the book is a black woman. So it wasn't, it wasn't the fault of the thing itself. It was the context. Yeah. You know? And I, I found that a few times recently where I'm watching something and I'm like, this is great. And this is, this is everything that I've wanted. But if there's an element, any kind of negative element, in its portrayal, which is humans are complex, yeah. so there should be. 
space. Like you want to say no, something? Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> that's really that's really got me that's really got me thinking, and this is like veering quite far from what I had planned to say. But I guess that's the nature of a conversation. You never know what's going to happen. Yeah, hundred um, percent. So yeah, I'm just thinking we are like in a historic moment in that we are seeing certainly like with Hollywood and with mainstream big budget films, we're seeing like a complex array a diverse representation of black characters. But that is very new. That's only started happening in the last year or two. So as you're saying, it's just all unfolding now. And we haven't had enough of it. And we haven't had it for long enough for it to just kind of be normal and natural and for us to necessarily feel comfortable with it. And I've noticed a lot of the major films that have come out, like Black Panther, like Get Out, I've watched them in different contexts. I, I watched one um, screening of Black Panther with you yes. in an all-black screen, basically an all-black screening. The, 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 the audience, yeah, the context that you're watching it in makes, it, makes such a difference. Like I've also, I also, about a week later, watched Black Panther with a white audience, and okay. the energy was very, very different. Can you explain And I that? actually ended up getting into a fight, a fight? with the white Whoa. man next to me when he told some black kids that were on a date behind me, maybe... 16, 17, um, they were excitedly talking through yeah. the film. And also, if you're familiar to go, we're going to the cinema where there's like a black audience. Yeah, like Peckham, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, we'll often have an interaction <laughs> with the screen. Do you know what I mean? People are more vocal. There's more, yeah. mm -hmm. there's more participation. Mm -hmm. You're not just silently mm -hmm. absorbing like what's happening. So obviously this man had never really been to a screening where there was like black people around in the screening. These kids behind me were pretty gassed because Black Panther is a historic moment yeah, for yeah, black so people. Yeah, yeah, and they're, they're just, they're, yeah, they're just like gassed and chatting. And he just turns around and he's just like, you people <laughs> need to get some respect and keep quiet. And they were like, oh, and they kind of like, you could just see them kind of like shrink into themselves and like yeah. be quiet. And I was just like, no. You're not, you're, you're not going to do that yeah, in this, this film. You're not going to yeah. do that to these kids in this film. Not in Wakanda. Nah, and he not was just <laughs> Not in our Wakanda. No, and my, my son was like, oh my God. Like, <laughs> stop it. Um, the man kind of took it. But when we were leaving the cinema, he didn't realize that like, I was behind him. And he was just like, what was that? She was, she's a racist. And I was oh, you just like, racist. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, Who's a racist? Me? I just popped up and he was just like, <laughs> oh. He was like, actually, I do think you're a racist because you're holding people to different standards. Just because they have low standards in the cinema doesn't mean I should have those same low standards in the cinema. And from that point, it just erupted. This is not the story I came here to tell, but the idea is yeah. <laughs> speak the truth. <laughs> just the thing about audiences at the moment. And again, watching Get Out with a kind of black audience. You did it with a white audience as yeah, well. Yeah. Versus, yeah. <laughs> You're out here doing social experiments in the cinema. <laughs> not intentionally. <laughs> it's because I get invited to a lot of screenings where I'm like kind of talking about the film and they tend to be black screenings. And then I just also go as a punter and then they tend to be like majority, yeah. majority white audiences. And just the energy was different. What people laugh at is different what people react to is different true, yeah. and yeah it really changes the energy of the film actually. it's true because when you speaking about get out yeah was i the only person where when get out was happening i kept on i just have a white person off i'm like what's funny <laughs> is this funny to you because hmm? i'm highly triggered right now this is a literal representation of my world yeah I, i've ha had exactly the same experience recently Are you serious? i was in the cinema it was like it was like a really small screen like you know in those ones where it's like you could have Stayed at home. Yeah. Like, it was, and it was like, I, w I went to see this film, uh, Blind Spotting, which I, like, I really liked. 
but yeah, it was just me and then like full screen. It was me and then like 10 white people watching this film, which is kind of a, it's about race in Oakland. And like, I found myself getting so angry with some of the like shocked reactions at certain things. And then I was like having to look at myself and be like, wait, no, people are learning. This should be an experience where people get the opportunity to learn in the yeah, film. Yeah, it must be nice yeah. to get then, to learn from my pain. <laughs> but Aww. it was like, I was laughing. Are you or, eating or your but, that, but, but I guess that is the point of representation. It's supposed to enlighten as well as inspire, do you get what I'm saying? So in that vein, both of you having to come through a, a, a previous time in media where different communities weren't represented as much, what gave you guys the inspiration? What gave you the enthusiasm to kind of be like, I can carve my, 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 my niche in this space or I can have a voice in it, you know what I mean? Because we're... Because now you guys are people that young kids are looking up to. Like, I want to be like one of these two. Do you know what I'm saying? So who was that for you? Will Smith and real talk. Craig David. Ah! <laughs> Shout out Craig David. Craig. Craig. Craig David. Come on. <laughs> real legend like Craig. Why, why Will Smith and why Craig David? Will Smith because, like, I, I, could rem- I can remember it as if it was like today. I was seven, went to see Men in Black. And, like, the cinema was like a special thing like as a kid i used to like write my mum reports about like why we should go and see a film like why she should spend the money on oh really yeah no i'd be like i'd be like it's rated pg uh for <laughs> this amount of violent content did you know then, you want to be actor at that time do you already have ambitions of being an actor not not yeah, really yeah, like, writing <laughs> yeah, down just... the movie synopsis <laughs> to your mom <laughs> yeah we went to see men in black and i was like i'd never seen somebody that looked like me fighting aliens in like, in, 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 again, contextually, it's like, it's in a big blockbuster film. And Will Smith was the lead. It wasn't like, he wasn't Tommy Lee Jones' sidekick. He was the lead and he was running around, chasing aliens, <laughs> shooting aliens. I was who like, are, who what? Men in Black? Men in Black. Come on. And, and had the, the, the vid music video in it, just bounced with me. Just, yeah, that's, that's the other thing dope. as well. He was like, it felt like Will Smith to me, I think, as a kid, he just felt like a limitless person. Like yeah. he was making music and I, like I'd, you're lying if you don't like a Will Smith song. Yeah, come but, on, man. Like, yeah. You'll be removed from this room. <laughs> yeah, every, 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 we have to like a Will By security. Song. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't like Will Smith. Yeah, just Will Smith for me was just. And Craig, and Craig David? Craig David, again, I was just like, this guy's been let like, out into the world and, as like a, and he's, he looks like me and, and he expresses himself in, in a way that excites me. And I, like, it just, yeah. That's the thing is you remember those things. Those things lodge in. That's why it's so important, <laughs> you know? I, I, like, I felt like I didn't really have that representation like on the screen at all. With, the, with um, Will Smith, like I loved... I loved The Fresh Prince. Like, I really loved The Fresh Prince Everybody growing up. Loved that Fresh was like, Prince, yeah. but especially like in Ireland where there was just no black people around, like The Fresh Prince was like, and not that many black people on, on screen either, but we had The Fresh Prince and that was like a lifeline. But when I think about the women that were in, I actually write about it in, in my book, um, the representation of the women in it, they kind of made me feel worse about myself because they all had good hair. Because you had Ashley wear her long, like, Remy-looking weave, so but wait, that's her hair. There's an audience who, who don't know what good hair means in the black context. What's, what does good hair mean? So good hair does not refer to white people's hair, but it's people of African descent, black people, who will tend to have probably some mixed background. They might not even be light-skinned, but they will have hair that is a texture that conforms more to, like, European 
norms. So it's got like so a looser curl to it. It's got a looser curl and it straightens easily as well. So they might have it straightened, but they can straighten it just with a bit of heat. Whereas like I need like a ton of relaxer for my hair to really be straight. Not that I need it, but you know what I mean. If I wanted to get it straight, which I don't. But so I'd watch that and that was like a lifeline. But honestly, like seeing like Hillary's hair, which was with these kind of honey blonde curls and Ashley's long black Indian so hair. So Hillary's hair wasn't natural? It was natural, oh, okay, but okay. she's she's oh, mixed. You, she's oh, mixed oh, as well. Oh, so oh, she has oh, like I'm, I'm just I'm just educating myself as well. Like you're blowing my mind. I'm just trying to yeah, figure it out. Yeah. So <laughs> I, they, their hair. What like I was obsessed with my hair and like why was it? Why did it look the way it did? And um, when I saw other black women who didn't have hair like mine, it made me feel like even more inadequate about mine because I was like, oh God, I'm truly an abomination. Like even black people don't have this hair. But now I know about the politics of representation. It's only black people that have certain features they got put on the screen yes. in those days. Yes. Things have changed, Ooh, but in let's those get days. Into it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Where I did find representation was in, was in, was in literature, like in books. Um, there were actually, I was able to get my hands on um, books by women like Rosa Guy, a Caribbean, um, I think she's Trinidadian author, who had moved to New York and she wrote stories, these coming of age stories about these young Trinidadian um, migrants to Harlem and there's like, there's like a lesbian story, there's like a best friend, there's, there's, all, there's, there's very diverse young black female representation. There was also another author who was a, a white woman, and I wouldn't have thought that to read her books, um, but she had a, a series about a little girl called Comfort, she was a mixed race girl who was like half Ghanaian and half English, um, called Great Comfort and Comfort Herself. And books were my refuge, I would say, because I could find that representation. More complex, more nuanced, black female characters. So off the back of you talking about being mixed race, I saw you tweeting recently actually about like, you know, the way the world perceives being mixed and the sort of slurs you have to deal with as a mixed race person. How has it been, and this question is for both of you, how has it been forming your relationship with your blackness in a world where people are constantly trivializing your identity? That's a really interesting question. And like my PhD is also on mixed race. So I've got it from my personal experience, but I also have it from like a detached kind of like observing it perspective as much as you can when it's your own identity. Um, but I've looked at um, how attitudes to mixed race people change over years. And it hasn't always been my experience that there has been um, a lot of slurs on mixed race people. And I've, I'm seeing like time, ah, there's different moments, there's different moments. And certainly when I was growing up in Ireland, I wasn't, there was no mixed race, I was a black girl. And I also spent a lot of time in America and same, they didn't really have mixed race. You was like a light skinned black person. Or, it was only when I came Hispanic. to here. People, a lot of people speak to me in Spanish in America. I didn't yeah. get Hispanic, I think probably because of my, I don't know, people did see me as black, but the Hispanic, right. yeah, that yeah. wasn't my experience. And also I was in Atlanta, which is just a very black city. Um, so it was only when I moved to England actually that people were like, oh, I was describing myself as black because that's how I've been socialized. People were like, but you're a mixed race. And I was like, what? Um, but wait, for those who don't know, what does it mean to be socialized? Okay, so the only non-white influence I had was, was black people. African-Americans and Nigerians. I didn't have mixed race people around me. Shout out Nigerians. So, yeah. <laughs> Man, Nigerians in the building. So there was no, I didn't know any other, my family was like Nigerian. They, they, my family isn't mixed race. So I, I knew like Nigerian culture, but not some mixed race culture. And then also society, certainly in Ireland was like, you're a black person. 
and all that comes with that. So that, that's what it means by socialize, what you grow up around, what you're conditioned to be, what your influences are, what you're kind of immersed in. Yeah. Um, so on, on this podcast, the way it is, we ask each guest to bring an item which kind of speaks to the theme of the show and what we're talking about. So could I start with you, Riley? So like, what item did you bring today? Uh, it, it doesn't have, it's not a physical item, by the way. It's kind <laughs> of like, no, you don't have to, no, he's not going to pull nothing from you. Kind of, yeah. you know I've kind of got it physically on my phone. Okay, got, that's enough. I've that's got enough. the audio book and the physical book. But it's, it's a, a book that um, everyone should read. If they haven't read it, they should. Uh, called Natives by Akala. Oh, yeah, I've heard that's a... Yeah, shout out Akala. Big up man He's like Akala. He's not shout out Akala. Um, yeah, and I, the reason that I bought Natives, because I was originally I was like, oh, maybe I should, I should bring Men in Black <laughs> as a thing, is that I've been thinking a lot recently about my place uh, in this country specifically because I think there's like a real um, I think people of colour in this country are basically like gaslit yeah. from Do you want to explain to people what days. Do you want to explain to people what gaslit me means just so they have an understanding and context? How do I describe gaslight? You can tag me in if you need help. Yeah, this, this is my dictionary right here. This is my dictionary. She'll break yeah, it down. Well <laughs> All right, so for those who don't know, gaslighting is when you convince someone that their reality is made up. So, for example, if I, could, if I punch you and you're like, ow, that really hurt, I'll be like, what's wrong with you? Why are you saying that so loudly? I didn't punch you. What's wrong with you? Like, you're crazy. So that's what gaslighting is. It's all about warping your own reality so that that person can impose their power on you and take control of how you view the world and yourself. So I love the first sentence you said. That was such a great description. What was it again? Gaslighting is telling somebody their reality is, is imagined? Yeah. That's essentially what yeah, it is. Yeah. That was a great description. Thank yeah. you. That is amazing. It's my I've been through it so I'm, much that it's, it's just second nature. my dictionary, my thesaurus, my synonyms. <laughs> she knows everything, boy. Trust me. Can I have you just on speed, though? I'm so <laughs> yeah. bad at, like, definitions. I was, like, hide away from it. But, yeah, and I, I also read... Um, I've been reading Black and British, which is a really an amazing book as well and um, why I'm no longer talking to white people about race Jeez. by Reniello Lodge and, and like those books in combination have just kind of like led me on to more and more and more but um, yeah the thing about natives for me is that it really delves into like historical representation my context is, is like TV and film and music and entertainment and it's really interesting to read about, and really comforting and really enlightening to read about representation that we get before we even think about necessarily what we're going to do for a career. And um, yeah, and it's just, it's kind of made me think about this thing that like at school, we're taught kind of in the same sentence that. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Slavery was bad, obviously. Are bad. Sorry about that. It's that kind of thing. Yeah. But that we should also celebrate the empire and colonization, almost as if they're not related. They're like separate subjects. Spill that tea. And it, 
just, <laughs> I, to me, that just that feels like it, it makes sense of so many things to me. It makes sense of my self-esteem and, and my friend's self-esteem, my family's self-esteem, my dad's self-esteem, like, you know, my sisters, that we don't have a history according to the curriculum in this country. Yeah. Our history is, is that we were stolen from somewhere and, and dropped here. And we don't even learn that, that like, thinking about Windrush a lot is like, like there's ne there was never an emphasis on like, that thing of like, we're invited by the queen. <laughs> like it was an invitation, like it's not. Yeah. Um, sorry, yeah, I'm waffling, but-, but no, I, you're not waffling, guess, you're dropping tea, no. bruv. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just that book has really made me think about how little I was taught by the state about my history. So the book is called? Natives by Akala. It's amazing. It kind of covers everything you could possibly want to learn about British history in a really intellectual way, but a really accessible way. He's, he's a brilliant writer. Most but, definitely. Um, but yeah, it's, Thank it's, you it's for a big that. one. Appreciate it. That, that really resonated. And like, I'm really aware of that knowledge deficit and how like we, we live in a society can I remember the quote exactly? It's Angela Davis, but she talks about there is like an intentional amnesia in the West. The, the facts of our history are intentionally obscured um, because to, speak, to really reveal them, to speak of their truth, would cause a lot of discomfort, beyond discomfort, a level of culpability and a level of, a level of responsibility and a level of atonement that would be required. But that's why the second chapter of my book, um, which is called, oh, it's called Don't Touch My Hair. That's and, my um, all, uh, the, the few books that exist about black hair, um, there's a few out there. They kind of start in slavery and they start from the point where Afro hair is stigmatized. They might have like one or two cursory pages about Africa before, but it's really very scant. So I was like, let me, in the second chapter of the book, actually talk about the invention of Nigeria, how the British invented Nigeria in 1905, um, and what that did to the people who became Nigerian, and the impact that had on their hair culture. I relate it all back to hair always, but I use it as an example to kind of share that history in an accessible way, because you're not going to hear it anywhere else. Like most people don't know that Britain invented Nigeria. They came up with the name, the boundaries, all of that stuff, and they completely transformed the entire way of life in a way that was not beneficial to the people and was never meant to be beneficial to the people. It was supposed to be beneficial to the British crown and the British economy, which it was. Raw. <laughs> so I have a question to ask you guys. So we're talking about representation, innit? So in media or in entertainment or even in arts, how does representation work? Because there's this constant conversation like, okay, I want to see black people on TV, but I don't want to see another slave movie. I want to see Mandem on TV, but I don't want to see adulthood. I want to see people talk about hair, but Napoli Ever After, that's so cliche. I like that film, by the way. But you know, some, so how does representation work effectively in your guys' opinion, like in you people's opinion? It doesn't work effectively at the moment. At the moment, I don't want to be like doom and gloom about it, but yeah. I, I think one of the biggest problems is that in the upper echelons of the industry, and it's the same in music, I think, as well, is that there isn't any representation. There's very little representation amongst the people that make decisions. Yeah. And so 
representation becomes, this is like, I decided a few weeks ago, I was like, anytime I see a scheme at a, uh, like a, a major broadcaster or a film studio or whatever that uses the word diversity, I don't want anything to do with it. Because it's, 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 a, it's a fundamental misderstanding of what this is. Yeah. Like if the Riz Ahmed speech... Yeah, the speech at the comment, kind of yeah. At the Lord's, yeah. yeah. Yeah, 100%. He puts it better than I ever could. But it's, it's like, it's not, this isn't a trend. Yeah. This is something that we've been deprived of. You know, yeah. for like since the dawn of filmmaking and television making, and it's not like we're we're here to stay. Everyone, not not that we. It's not a gimmick. It's not an initiative. It's supposed to be a mentality and a culture yeah. that's adopted going forward. Yeah, I even feel like inclusion feels a bit like sort of like a pat on the back. Like, oh come on then, come in then, and also the the content, like kind of to what Emma was saying earlier on, like the content of something, it's not just about putting people of color on screen. What stories are you telling with those people and who's involved in telling those stories? Yeah. It's <sighs> but you know what's even harder? What's even harder off the back of what you said? Because you mentioned earlier about how those who are the decision makers are rarely ever black or people of color. Because as someone myself, and I'm sure you can both relate to this and you as well, where we're in our own like, you know, positions of success, and often we are the talent, so we're often the only black person in the room, and sometimes we are the only black person or person of color positioned amongst those white decision makers. It is incredibly hard, because in those interactions, it's all about power, and sometimes it's really hard to be like, hey, can you not touch my hair? Or sometimes it's really hard to be as pro-black as you need to be, because you're in a position sometimes where if people feel threatened by you or if they sense that you are too self-aware or that they feel challenged by you, that can then create some sort of friction and power tussle, which means you have to spend more time maneuvering that situation carefully so that you can maintain your sense of self and identity and less time being the talent you want to be. Like, it's really, really long. Like, I don't see people like Britney Spears having to go into a boardroom, having to worry about anyone touching her hair or having to worry about someone asking her if she, like, washes her skin or something because she's white. But I have to go into all these kinds of rooms having to prepare myself mentally, using up bare space in my mind that I could be using to, you know, deliver the skills I'm here for, having to pre-prepare myself for any kind of sly question I'm asked or any kind of assumption made or anyone trying to um, trick me out of my own value. That all comes with it as well. And so that's why I find the conversation about diversity and representation really difficult. And there isn't really a one-size-fits-all. Do you want to say something? So, hi. Um, you were talking about representation, and I just wanted to know, how do you get into those spaces to make other black people feel represented and yourself represented without feeling tokenized? So for me, one of my passive-aggressive ways, because I tend to be very passive-aggressive with white people, one of my passive-aggressive ways is always wearing an afro when I'm doing something where... I'm, mm -hmm, when I'm doing something where... I'm gonna be like on television or like for example, when I went to, I recently went, was invited to Clarence House, which is where Prince Charles and his wife lives. Casually, casually. Um, but I decided to go full on wearing Iran Baba, which is Nigerian wear and Afro. 
I was invited there because they're celebrating um, the royal visit to Gambia, um, Nigeria, and Ghana. But I knew that if I'm going to be going there, then I'm going to be as irritating as possible. I'm going to have a very large, obnoxious afro. I'm going to be wearing coral beads. I'm going to be wearing my African Iran baba. And you can't tell me I can't be there because you invited me here. So it's all about... It's all about... It's all about being really tactical. And that's what I was speaking about earlier, about when you're black, you don't have, you, don't, you, spend, you spend about 20% of your time being the talent and 80% having to be this like social justice warrior. When really like, that's not what I came here to do. Like I don't come into this world like with my fist out. I didn't come in, I didn't have to do that. But unfortunately that's the role that you're pushed into. And those politics are projected onto you whether you want to take part or not. So for me, when it comes to your question about how I'm able to represent myself and other black people in black spaces, it's about understanding that one, I do not have to um, speak up for every single black person because all our experiences are incredibly unique. But if I'm going to be the black one in the room, I'm going to be blickety black, black in bold as hell. And you will deal. And you will pay me a much higher fee that I've negotiated because I have source. And that's why I get really annoyed about the whole diversity conversation because it's like the whole world relies on Africa, but yet it kind of like pretends that it's like doing Africa a favor by like including Africa in anything that it does when really it wouldn't actually exist with the power it has without Africa feeding it. So there's that as well. That was music to my ears. That last Bro. sentence. The whole, the, the, the amount that is owed to Africa, the amount that is taken from Africa, and yet there's this narrative that Africa is dependent on our charity. Bro. When the billions, even in financial terms, the billions that are extracted from Africa and find their way to this part of the world every year. That's so thank you for that. Thank you for that. Okay, I think we spoke about the subject of, of representation. We spoke about like the idea of seeing people on screen that we can relate to and how it's impacted us growing up. So I guess, to kind of wrap this conversation up, if you could pick one character that you could see depicted, and this is not, I just want to let people know that this conversation is not about demonizing a particular race or excluding anybody. It's all about allowing us to understand each other's conversation, each other's realities. So then when we're watching the screen, we're being informed. We're not just watching passively, we're learning about each other, do you get what I'm saying? And we're growing with each other because as a society, that's the only way we're going to grow. Um, so on that subject, which character would you, if you could pick any, would you like to see or, or see yourself play? Like, if, for me, my goal is to, um, I'm a big Marvel fan, rest in peace, Stan Lee. I'd, 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 I'd like. Don't. <laughs> <Huh? I> don't. <laughs> it's emotional times, isn't it? You know what I mean? I'd, I'd, I'd love to play Captain America one day, do you know what I'm saying? So, if, <laughs> yeah, maybe Captain Ghana, you know, I'll keep it, I'll keep it. You know, I love that. But um, yeah, so if there was any one character, just to wrap up, or maybe growing up that you would have loved to play, or you'd like to see someone play like, I mean, we're all, we're all petitioning for Idris to be the next Bond, but if there was any character, let, let, let me know. Well, I actually tweeted about this recently. I just finished reading um, Billie Holiday's autobiography, Lady Sings the Blues, and I was like, please somebody remake this film and cast me as Billie. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> That's an acting career. Any casting directors in the buildings, that's your first audition right there, yeah? Well, obviously, someone who's actually in the acting industry, is there, is there a particular ambition or is there just a character that you'd love to see reimagined in a way that represents a whole new community? Well, when I was, like, when I was a kid, I was Spider-Man. Like, as far as I was concerned, yeah, yeah. I was Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. which, which is another thing as well that I kind of want to add is that is the thing about the stretching of imagination. You can feel, you can relate to somebody who is not of the same race as you, or, you know, 
it's, it's even race is like a, it's a much bigger conversation about that word. But, um, but yeah, like it's, it was never a stretch for me. I was always Spider-Man. Yeah. It didn't, I wasn't looking at Same the fact here, that he was bro. white. And, it, and it, it works the other way around. Like it just does. If you, there's loads of kids that you could speak to that watch Black Panther and, and they can like, 100%. You know, and they, they, could, they might not be black, but they look at that character and they're like, 100%. I want to be Black Panther for Halloween, <laughs> whatever. Um, yeah, I see it, I see it, don't but worry, But someone man. else who, sorry, I'm, I'm going to do that thing, I'm like, oh, Emma, you must know about this. Um, <laughs> I probably do. I really sorry, I just realized what I was doing. <laughs> but genuinely, because because he's one of the only um he's he's one of the only mixed race figures that I looked at and was like, oh wow, look at you. Which was um Phil Linnett. Oh my like, god, I was just talking about him backstage. And she and does know about it. About. Look at that. <laughs> I, I would love to play Phil Linnett. But then part of me feels I like I have to be in that film as yeah. well. <laughs> there there is a part of me though that Again, this is another conversation maybe, but like, there's part of me that's like, there's an Irish mixed race guy that wants to be an actor that should maybe play that more than I should. Um, but then, then we also get into the thing about like, when there's not enough for anyone, we all just end up kind of like fighting for those spots. Yeah, I, I don't believe you can only play a character that like, strictly matches your actual real identity. Like, I think for a mixed-race English person to play a mixed-race Irish person would be okay. Like, do you know what I mean? As long as, as long as they could do it convincingly. What I do not like is all the people that try and play Irish characters. This isn't like a race, usually it's white people, but they'll hire an English person to play an Irish character and the accent will just be like so like painfully offensive. I'm like, there's so many Irish actors, just hire someone that can do the accent. So as long as you can do the accent. It's all be- about the talent, <laughs> basically, yeah. What about yourself? Do you know what? I, first of all, we need a Nigerian Disney princess. Yeah. We've got Moana, bro, we're getting there. <laughs> There but is one, and historically, there? there's a really famous one called Moremi, and she's in my book. Is she Disney? She's not, no, she's not Disney. Well, she's <laughs> yeah, we should make the Moremi Disney Moremi version. Yeah. What is she, what's, what's, her, what's her synopsis? What's her life like? What's she do? So, uh, do you know what? I, she's Yoruba, and I think she had a war with the Igbo, so you might <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh, I love it. that. <laughs> yeah, a Nigerian princess. She went educates. undercover with the Igbo. She, they, 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 I don't know, these two warring groups were having a scrap, whatever. She went undercover, I'm not sure if it was the Igbo people, I think it was. She went undercover, found out she was really beautiful, so she married like their leader, went undercover, yes, found out their secrets, came back and told it to her Use people. Privilege. And then they used that to overthrow <laughs> their enemy. So oh, that's wow, the story that's of Moremi. <laughs> yes, Moremi, love that. Well, I'm gonna be embodying the spirit of Princess Moremi and I will use my beauty privilege to take down patriarchy by myself. Hey! <laughs> 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 it's true though. <laughs> You can't use everything to your power when you're a woman, bruv. The patriarchy had to come into it, you know what I mean? We had, Listen, we had to get to it. Our society has been built on the foundations of patriarchy. I love this girl so For those much. who don't know what patriarchy means, <laughs> for those who know what patriarchy means, it's essentially a system where men have disproportionate access to resources and power and they get to decide the way the world spins. So pretty much the world works in favor of those who control it, which is cisgendered, able-bodied white men. And so anybody who doesn't fall into that definition of identity is forced to face what it means to have less access to resources, safety, comfort, power, 
So for me, speaking from the perspective of being a black woman, it often means that I have to, like I was speaking about earlier, I have to spend more time having to like maneuver all these rigid structures than just get to be a person. Like I really want to be able to just like cycle through London and listen to my indie music and like wear a scarf and not have to worry about anybody seeing me and feeling threatened by me. Like imagine your, your entire life, you're just having to respond to like systems rather than just like existing. Like it must be nice. That's why I always say in my next life, I'm reincarnating as a white woman named Brenda and I'm gonna be a librarian. I'm gonna live with my boyfriend in Oxford. We're gonna have a really quiet life where we and can just- And a cat. We're gonna have a cat called Bingo. We're gonna have a really quiet life where we don't have to talk about race and we're gonna think that everyone who talks about race is what? Too sensitive. <laughs> That's what I'm gonna be. Uh, thank you guys very, very much. Could thank you guys you. give a round of applause to our guests? Thank One you to our time. lovely guests, Rally Richie! Emma Dabbery! Much love, guys. Thank you, guys, very much. Thank you so much you, for joining us. Can you give them a round of applause as they, they leave the stage? Leave the stage. Have a great night. Okay, that's the final episode of This Is Spoke Season 1. We've had some incredible conversations. We've had jokes. We've gotten real. And most importantly, I think we've both learned a lot. We're coming back in the new year for some more important chats, so stay tuned. But in the meantime, head over to at This Is Spoke Pod on Instagram and Twitter to stay up to date for all things This Is Spoke. And let us know what you'd like to hear us discuss in the new year. Thank you for listening, Thank guys. Thank you. See Safe. you soon. Bless. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. 